Praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on this Monday morning edition. And uh, we're just excited to be here with you, gathered around God's Word. And uh, we're now doing Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on Monday mornings and Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time. And uh, we are studying the, 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 the book of First Peter. And uh, we are about today to finish, more than likely, chapter 3. And this is going to be part 11 of this third chapter of First Peter. So grab your Bibles and get ready to gather around God's Word with us today. We're just always thrilled and very encouraged to be able to be found sharing the Word of the Lord, the truth of God's Word, always pointing to Jesus Christ and the great sacrifice that allowed Him to be God's Lamb, hallelujah, and our Lamb, hallelujah, that which was provided for us, our sacrificial Passover Lamb, hallelujah. And uh, there's nothing more exciting and precious than the truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And uh, today, uh, I want to encourage you to check out the Spreaker app. It's not speaker, it's a music you hear through it, Spreaker, that's with an R, Spreaker. Right now, we are recording our 1,200th episode. It's all audio. You can get that Spreaker app for your phone. And uh, our channel is for those who have ears to hear. Or you can simply type my name in, Curtis Hutchinson. And today, again, this is our 1,200th episode. It's all audio. It's what I preach. It's what I teach everywhere I am, even if I'm somewhere else out traveling. And uh, you can find all the audio there. You can listen to it driving down the road. Put your earbuds in while you're working, whatever you can do, and it's there for you. Again, that's the Spreaker app. And our channel is for those who have ears to hear. The YouTube channel where you can find everything that we do here at Crossway Church is Curtis Hutchinson 316. And also we have a website, thecrosswaychurch.com. I encourage you to avail yourself to the many gospel-centered messages that we have been ministering this August will be 18 years. The Lord, we, the Lord never finds us uh, short. He always supplies the the word of the truth of the gospel for every every time we open the Word of God, we we behold the Lamb of God. No matter what topic we may be discussing, He is what's in view. The Lamb is what's in view. If we're talking about prayer, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, if we're talking about faith, repentance, it makes absolutely no difference. If we open our Bibles, we're going to view the Lamb. We're going to view the Lamb. That's God's intention. That's God's purpose because you can't put your feet in any truth and walk in it unless you're walking in the light of the Lamb. Hallelujah. So, uh, we just had a great service yesterday morning. I could sense the Holy Spirit was ministering to the people and imparting a great truth about having a good conscience. I ministered that for 80 minutes in Dublin, Georgia at Crossway Fellowship. There, Pastor Scotty Williams and the great congregation there about two weekends ago. Uh, you can find that on the Crossway Church, Crossway Fellowship Church 
uh, Facebook page, or you can find it again on my Spreaker, uh, the Spreaker app on my uh, For Those Who Have Ears to Hear channel. Uh, it was 80-minute long teaching on having a good conscience, and I ministered pretty much that message with a little different and added more yesterday. Uh, so you want to hear this. You really want to hear this, and we're going to talk more about it this morning because it's just where we are here at the closeout of chapter 3 in First Peter. Uh, before we dig in this morning, <coughs> excuse me, let me uh, make a note that this coming weekend I will be in Naples, Florida with the Word of the Cross Ministries, Pastors Mahari and Monique Warfield. People are coming from every direction this weekend. It's the churches there. They're a young church. It's their one-year anniversary, and I'm going to be there to celebrate with them, and we're just going to have a great time fellowshipping in the gospel. And uh, if you are anywhere near Naples, Florida, I encourage you to make the trip. Maybe if even if you're not close, still make the trip. We're going to have a great time. We're going to show our support for another, yet another cross-preaching, cross-focused church. That is what the Lord is doing. That is where he's pouring out of his spirit of truth in these last days, those that he can get gathered back around the sacrifice, the focus of Christ crucified. And so come and support the, the, the work of God there in Naples, the information. You can find it on my Facebook pages, Pastor Curtis or Curtis Hutchinson or Mahari Warfield's page or the Word of the Cross Ministries page. So uh, I'll see you this weekend. It's going to be Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. And the Peace family will be traveling, and they'll be there with me this coming weekend in Naples, Florida. Uh, and they'll be doing the music. And uh, we are going to have one more grand time in Christ Jesus this weekend there in Naples, Florida. So come and be a part of that. You can watch it on the Mahari Warfield Facebook page live. And so we're, we're just excited about God continuing to raise up new local churches new pastors that are not all tied up and bound up in what men claim they got to be tied up and bound in. All, uh, they realize and all I need is what the Lord has already given me. He's given me the truth of the cross, and he's given me his spirit. I've got a Bible, hallelujah, and therefore I've got everything I need in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. First Peter chapter 3 this morning. Let me say I just have to believe the Lord is going to impart the truth of his word into the hungry hearts this morning. You can listen and just get, try to gain knowledge, but the Holy Spirit's trying to impart truth into the hearts of his people in these last days. You can listen to many people just put knowledge there, but the Holy Spirit wants to impart the truth of God's word. That is the difference of just ever learning. Ever learning. Let me say it again. Paul wrote to Timothy and said in the last days they would just be ever learning but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is, the, what is preventing 
while we are ever learning what is what is preventing us from coming into the experience of the truth that that's what it means the knowledge of the truth coming to the knowledge of the truth uh, that means the experience of the truth what is it that prevents that when we're not hearing what we should be hearing or we're not hearing how we should be hearing we must be hearing the word of god in the context of jesus christ crucified <laughs> hallelujah to the lamb and we must with our hearts, we must be believing in that context because the Word of God cannot be applied to the heart unless it be applied with the blood. That is shown us in the Old Testament when even Aaron the high priest and his boys would first have the blood applied to their right ear, their right thumb, and their right big toe. And then the oil would be applied. That means first the Lord must find our faith in the sacrifice of Christ, then the oil, then the Holy Spirit is able to do what he does. And that does not mean that just because I got saved by the blood, now the Holy Spirit just automatically is able to do what gets done. No, this is Christianity is a moment-by-moment moment potential for us to experience being found in Christ before God, being found where God, the Holy Spirit, can do what he desires to do to bring his will about. He does not just do it in spite of what we believe. He only works in truth. All his works are done in truth, Psalms 33 and 4. And he works within the perimeters of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That means the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, works in our hearts to bring forth the fruit of his working in our hearts through our faith, not was, but is, in the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. So there is no application of God's word in our hearts for our feet to be able to walk in without the blood being applied to that which we are hearing. Now, I'm sorry that we as the church have made it this far in this 2,000-year period and have been moved so far away from this truth that I'm telling you now. We've moved, we've moved into mysticism, black magic, white magic, voodoo, witchcraft, everything imaginable, make-believe, pretend, and all these things are in the church. But the Holy Spirit must find faith, not just any faith, the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us or grace cannot be applied. Grace meaning he cannot do what needs to be done. For grace is not just a word. Grace is not just some power. Grace in Hebrews 10 and 29 is called the spirit of grace. That doesn't mean just some aurora. Some aurora. No, the spirit of grace is God the Holy Spirit supplying 
what's needed to carry out the will of God in and through our lives. It's not just grace floating around. It's the spirit of grace who is the spirit of life who only works in Christ Jesus to carry out God's will. We need to remember these things. And again, I'm so sorry that we've been seduced as a church for so long. Uh, and caught up in everything and just imagining that the Lord will work in this or in that. He works exclusively within the perimeters of one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And you're not, you, listen, when you hear someone else say, well, sometimes, no, that, that, is, that is someone who's being seduced by the lust of their flesh, who they want God to do something. And listen, my friend, you can see all sorts of things going on that have a form of godliness, and you and I can stamp that as a move of God. But if it's not, if it's not a focus of the cross what Jesus as the Lamb of God did, you can put on a good show and you can be found entertaining people and making money doing that, all in the name of the Lord, all in the name of ministry. But if it is not a focus of the Lamb and what He did at Calvary, my friend, we've taken matters into our own hands. And so that is what is happening to the church now. Most ministers who are preaching on deception are walking in deception themselves. And I know people hear me and they say, what makes you think you're not? Because I'm focused on the Lamb of God, the one who the Bible says is the light, the one who removes darkness. And we all are ignorant about some things. None of us know everything, but we should be learning the Word of God in the light of the Son of God and what He did for us and to us as the Lamb of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So enough of that. Let's look here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Again, this is part 11 today. So in verse 21, we see again the Bible saying, the like figure, talking about what happened in Noah's day, the flood of Noah, that the Bible says in verse 20, they were saved by water. And, and, and know this, and I said it again yesterday, Noah's family, him and his family were saved naturally. Their physical bodies were saved by water. Their souls were saved the same way everybody else's soul is saved, by faith in a coming Redeemer. And we know that's the case for Noah was a preacher of righteousness. If Noah had not had his faith in a coming Redeemer through the carrying out of the sacrifice offered on an altar, he could not, first of all, he could not have heard God. Then he could not have obeyed God. Then he could not have found grace in God's eyes to build an ark and to preach the message of righteousness for over a hundred years. For all of that to have happened, he had to be a man who trusted in the promise of a coming Redeemer that God had promised Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He had to be a man that would have his faith in a coming Redeemer. And in those days, he had to prove it. Get this now. He had to prove it by something he would actually do, which was 
building an altar and killing animals and shedding their blood on that altar. You know, we're not under all that anymore because Christ has become the end of the law for righteousness. He's become the end of the law. He's, beca- he's the one who lived the perfect life and paid the price for our debt of sin. So we don't have to go and build an altar, find an animal, slay it, shed its blood. All that was symbolic of what Jesus would do for us in his flesh on the cross. But all of that in that day was carried out in the natural, in the physical. They had to do it. But it was all rooted in their faith in a coming Redeemer. Now, you have to know this. Right now, presently, I'm writing commentary on Psalms chapter 50. So you can find that on my Curtis Hutchinson page every morning, somewhere around 7, 7.30, one verse a day. And I'm learning as I'm writing commentary presently on Psalms chapter 50 that God is... Uh, uh, rebuking his people and reminding them in Psalms 50 that he doesn't need them to feed him. If he were hungry, he says, I wouldn't tell you. He says, all the animals on the earth belong to me. What he's doing there, he's he's showing them, trying to get them to see that they're just going through the motions and carrying out the, uh, the sacrificial things because they've moved from a mindset of what it really is all about to being that which now they're like they're doing it for God. No, the sacrificial system is, was always unto God but for them to be thankful. And I believe it's the 14th verse in that 50th chapter that reveals that. It's it's because he wants them to be thankful for what he's given them through faith in the sacrifice so that when they do call upon him, verse 15, I think, in that 50th chapter of Psalms, that he can answer them and he can help them and they can glorify him. Uh, Go read that in in your... free time there. So if, if, we, if we're not focused on the sacrifice, that's bad enough. But if we're just going through the motions of saying the word cross or, or, or we think we're doing it for God. No, listen, listen. The sacrifice and worship and all that we do is unto the Lord, but it's really for the benefit is for us. We're doing it unto him, but we get the benefits. Amen. And they were, they, they in the Old Testament, there was, they were found by God. Hear me now, they were found by God because He sees in our hearts. He sees why we're doing what we're doing. And He found them offering the sacrifices. And He says there in the 50th chapter of Psalms, I'm not rebuking you for your continual offering of the sacrifices and the burnt offerings. What he's rebuking them for is thinking that they, that they need to feed him. They need to appease him. No, no, no. He says what this needs to result in is your thankfulness unto me so that you can call on me in your time of trouble 
and I will help you, and you can glorify my name. See, that's so beautiful and powerful. We can't just be people who talk about the cross. Uh, we, we have to be uh, talking about it for the right reason. We can't just preach the cross. we got to be preaching it for the right reason, and we can't just be playing patty cake, so to speak, with the message of the cross. It has to be our focus because it's our only avenue to offer anything unto God, prayer, worship, finances, anything, time, anything we offer has got to be done through our deliberate and conscious faith in our union with Christ in his death. Our union with Christ in his death. Amen. And, and, and it, the reason is, is so that we'll be thankful. We'll be thankful. And, and, and we'll know that through faith in the sacrifice, we can call on the Lord at any time and we're going to find him through faith in the sacrifice helping us continually without fail. And only through faith in the sacrifice can we glorify the name of our God, the name of Jesus. Can we lay up treasure in heaven? Can we bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit? And it's such a beautiful picture there in Psalms 50 of God having to show up and remind his people, look, I don't need you feeding me. The sacrifice is what I'm here to do. Through it is what I've done for you, what I've promised you. The avenue through which all instruction from me is going to come to you. The avenue through which all the provision I have for you is going to come to you. Not based on what you're doing, but listen, why you're doing it. Get that now. Go read Psalms 50 after the broadcast today and you will be Oh, so encouraged and edified because the Lord's going to show up occasionally and he's going to ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you reading the Bible? Why are you going to church? I see you doing it continually. Remember Psalms 50. I'm not rebuking you, the Lord says, for you're continually bringing all these sacrifices and burnt offerings. But what he is doing is bringing... Uh, uh, an awakening which could be a revival if we'll realize God is dealing with us about just going through the motions thinking that everything we're doing is for him and not unto him because the benefits, my friend, are unto us. That's why the Bible says let us do all that we do as unto the Lord. But it can't be unto him just because I'm doing it. It has to be unto him through my faith in what it all represents, which is the lamb slain for me. Hallelujah. You see, Revelation chapter 5 verse 12, there's a great revelation in that Bible verse that the lamb was slain to receive riches, power, glory, and honor. He had to be slain to receive all of that to be able to distribute all of that among those that would be found not just going through the motions, not just using the word cross as, a, as an input occasionally or a, a closeout at the end of a message, but those who would preach 
the sacrifice of Christ from Genesis to Revelation. Those who would allow the Holy Spirit to teach them that the Bible doesn't distract from the focus of Calvary. Every word gives us a more clear picture of the Lamb of Calvary. It enhances our vision. It is what makes the word that is our path and light of our path shine brighter because the Lamb is the light. Not just the written word. The Lamb is the light. The Lamb is what makes the word a light to our path. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So the Bible here says in verse 21, the like figure, the flood of Noah's day, Noah and his family being saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. We're not saved by water. It is a like figure. Get that. It is a like figure. You and I under the new covenant are not saved physically like they were on top of the water. We don't come up to a Red Sea and it open and we walk through it. All of, Remember what Jesus said about the scriptures? You search them for in them you say you have life, but they are they which testify of me. Everything in the old covenant, Jesus said the volume of the book was written of me. That's Psalms chapter 40, verse 7. You see it pulled from the Old Testament and written again in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe, uh, verse 7. Uh, and and it, Jesus said, The volume of the book is written of him. It's Listen, this is why... We cannot just tell Bible stories of the Old Covenant telling them so wondrously and wonderful. There's some good storytelling preachers in the Bible. But if that story doesn't climax at the cross of Christ, that was, that was one more dramatic carnal deliverance. It is all carnal without the cross. It is all carnal without the cross. It is the law of legality and works and flesh, even though it's the word of God, without the stories climaxing at the cross in Christ, meaning in his death. There's some good storytelling preachers, my goodness, they can start in a place and build their case and build the story up and Boom, there's this explosion of this. But if the, the climax and the explosion, uh, so to speak, of that story does not happen on Golgotha's hill, hallelujah, being imparted into the heart of the believer, the truth of Christ crucified, my friend, it was just a good story. If it, Listen, you seek the scriptures for in them you say you have life, but they're testifying of me, Jesus said. So that of the old covenant was a like figure whereon to even baptism does also now save us. And we're very well aware of us, in the, of, of the truth in the New Testament in Romans chapter 6 verse 3 that says, don't you know? And the reason Paul used those words under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is because 
Nobody did know. That's why the Lord was using him to write these verses. Get that. Nobody did know. That's why the Holy Spirit had to give Paul these words to be penned. Nobody did know. Don't you know? That's one of those questions like I know you don't, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Don't you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ... And you have to be to be in him. You have to be to be his body. All of those who've been, all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. Not a tank of water. We've said it many times and we have to keep saying it because there's many who even teach that if you're not water baptized, you're not going to heaven. My Lord, their mind is still trapped unto things that are only a like figure. They're bound and living according to things that are only a like figure. And my friend, let me assure you that even the new covenant water baptism is one of the church ordinances along with communion, the Lord's Supper, that we were told to carry out. But they both represent the Lord's death. As often as we take communion, the Bible says we do show forth the Lord's death, not his resurrection, his death. And water baptism points to that which Christ did for us. He died for us so that we could die with him, be buried with him, and raised to newness of life with him, in him. Hallelujah. So water baptism in the old covenant being that of Noah's flood that saved them by water, but what saved their souls was not water. It was the sacrifice of Christ that they looked to in the future. To prove that, the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark was not build a house. Well, let's get started. We've got to have a place to live. Let's build a house. The first thing he built was an altar showing God I still believe in the sacrifice, the promise of a redeemer that you're going to send and give it, be given through a sacrifice. I still believe that's more important than building my house. It's what got us raised up above the flood. Hallelujah. It's where I found grace in your eyes to even hear you tell me to build an ark and to find the strength to build an ark and to be a preacher of righteousness for over a hundred years because of his faith in the sacrificial lamb that would one day come and be offered for all of humanity. Praise the Lord. But he says this baptism here in verse 21 of chapter 3, 1 Peter this baptism that does now save us, and I quoted Romans 6, 3 to you, and there's others we could point out, but we're not saved like Noah in them physically being raised up on the water. Bible says, and that is what the, verse 20 is talking about because it says eight souls were saved by water. That means their physical lives were saved by water. And you know you you know you can drown in water today and still go to heaven. 
and again, I have to make this point because the Bible there is specifically talking about their physical lives. When the flood was over and the waters recessed down and moved away and the ark landed, they came off the ark, they built an altar, they were still living physically because the waters raised them up above where all the destruction was. And that is what verse 21 is talking about when it speaks of the resurrection. We've been immersed into the death of Jesus, that baptism that we were crucified with him in his death, buried and raised up, resurrected, resurrection life. Look at this now. It says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. A good conscience. The Bible says that those in the Old Covenant never, never had what we have today. They had their faith in a coming Redeemer, but until He came, I, I believe it's Galatians chapter 3 that speaks of when that faith came. You see, the faith they had was in something that God would one day do in Christ on the cross. And until he did that on that day in Christ on the cross, they couldn't even go to heaven. They were held temporarily in Abraham's bosom, paradise. They, could, they couldn't leave there. They were captive there. And Jesus died, and because that faith, that faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us was so powerful. The cross was such a perfect sacrifice, a life totally and completely without sin for the lives that were nothing but sin allowed him to be resurrected from the dead and even go into paradise and take, make captive unto himself all those that had been captive there because the faith they had couldn't get them into heaven. One day it would be moved to that faith that would be literally in what Christ came and had did, had done. And that's what allowed him to go and get them and lead them out and lead them home. Hallelujah. But what I want to look at this morning a little bit again is having the answer of a good conscience. This good conscience. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews that, I believe it's Hebrews, that it never, it, what happened, let's look at a, at, a, at a scripture here in in Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at this together today. Uh, in verse 13, where it says, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, that was under the old covenant, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge, that means cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And see, there was never a conscience cleansing sacrifice for the old covenant. 
it was that which was pertaining to the purifying of the flesh. That's why when certain sins were committed under the old covenant, they had to go and do certain things to their flesh, stay in certain places to cleanse their flesh. But now under the new covenant, it's a deeper work. It's, it's the purifying, it's the purifying, the purging of our conscience. Their conscience could never be made pure and clean because the blood of bulls and goats cannot do that. Only the blood of Jesus can purge the conscience from works that only deal with the cleansing of the flesh, that outward, and, that, and be that now, the blood of Jesus now, through what the eternal spirit did, in his death at Calvary, be that which purges, cleanses our conscience. And get that, remember, if you hadn't heard this, go back and listen. Go back and listen. And you're going to hear it again this morning, but not in great depth and detail. When I come back from Naples, Florida, we're going to dig into this a little more because God has something great in this teaching on having a good conscience for his people and especially those he's been able to bring back and gather around the sacrifice, those that can hear properly and taste and see properly, they will, they will gain great treasure through this truth about having a good conscience. But the word conscience means co-perception. It means to have a co-perception. And the greatest example in the Bible, more than likely, uh, there's probably others, but the one the Lord is showing me now is the one with Eve. As long as she lived by that word of God that her and Adam had, that they were free, it was a command. The Bible says in Genesis, the Lord God commanded the man. You are free to eat of all the trees in the garden but don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That was the word they had from the Lord. And that word allowed their perspective, their perception to be that the way God saw things. Their co-perception was that of God's perception. But when the devil crawled into the garden and lied, brought another word... Instead of Eve clinging to the word God had said and keeping that co-perception, that conscience being in a good state, a good conscience, she listened to the lie, another word that was contrary to the word of God that she'd heard. She listened to a lie, another word, and it was a lie. The devil told her she would not die. But God had said, you will die. So it was a lie. And the devil used facts just like he does today. When he told her, your eyes will be opened. Her eyes were opened. But she did not see what she needed to see. Her eyes were opened to her nakedness, her selfishness, her now being totally self-centered. Her eyes were opened that she was now not in fellowship with God, but in fellowship with the one that was her enemy. 
Oh, her eyes were opened, and the devil may tell you this will happen, and that may happen. And that's going on big time in the church today, even through many false prophets who bring words, and it appears those words come to pass, but God in his word says he's testing you, his people, to see if you're going to follow those or you're going to keep following the Lamb. But get this now. you got to see this great, great picture God has portrayed for us in the Scriptures. Because when Eve listened and heeded to, believed the word of the enemy, now she had changed her perception from being co-God's perception to being co-the serpent's perception. She had stepped into a whole new view that wasn't God's view, but now was the enemy's view. And she was in agreement with the enemy's view. Her perception was now a co-perception with the enemy, and there's nothing good about the enemy. So that co-perception made her conscience a bad conscience, not a good conscience. A good conscience is seeing spiritually through the sacrifice because all of God's words are in righteousness. And Proverbs 8 and 8. And his righteousness is only revealed in the gospel. And you need to understand that Psalms 37, 6 says that God has made our righteousness, who is Christ, through his work of death at the cross, God has made our righteousness our light, our light. The only way that God's word can literally be a light to my path is if I'm holding it and hearing it through righteousness because faith only comes through righteousness. The light of God's word only comes into the heart through righteousness. Write this down, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord is giving his ministers of righteousness the truth they need in these last days so they can cut their ties with men who are just looking for an audience, men who are just trying to get your money, men who are just uh, trying to make a name for themselves, men who are holding God's word outside of its righteous context, meaning outside of the context of the gospel, which is Christ crucified. Because the fruit that's there, no matter what it appears to be, God sees all of the fruit of the word being held outside, his truths being held outside of its righteous context. The only fruit he sees is unrighteousness and ungodliness, even if it appears that which is good to us, that which is right to us. If we're not looking through the cross... The devil can say something and make us believe it. If we're not looking through the lens of Calvary, and it may come to pass, Eve's eyes were opened. Oh, somebody heard that today. Oh, somebody heard that today in their spirit. And God is bringing you back to a place of focus, which is looking at every jot and tittle through the cross. God is raising up 
his ministers of righteousness, those shepherds that he has called and will place among the people. And he said through the prophet Jeremiah that his shepherds, his pastors, would put on the table what removes fear, dismay, and lack. And there's only one message, one message that does that. That's the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, the focus of God's Lamb. Hallelujah. So watch this now. Let's go back to 1 Peter. Here we are in chapter 3. The answer of a good conscience. You and I now, under the new covenant, have a good conscience. That means we have a good co-perception. Because when we were born again, we stepped into the place of seeing what God sees and how God sees. Hear me now. This is very important. And this can play a great part of your understanding what Jesus meant when he said, Take heed what you hear and how you hear. Because what you hear and how you hear will determine the state of your conscience. And your conscience can be good, it can be bad, it can be seared and burnt as with a hot iron. Get that now. I want us to look today at 1 Timothy in our last 15 minutes of this segment today. Holding faith. Now, now, holding faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. Paul tells Timothy that we've got to be found in the experience of holding faith. Not faith in the back of our subconscious. Well, of course I live by faith. Of course I believe. No, holding it. Holding it. This means deliberately and consciously trusting moment by moment in our union, our union with Christ in his death. Our faith is in Christ and his death for our pardon from sin and our daily cleansing of sin and all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. But our faith is also in Christ Jesus for the experience of our being crucified with Him, hidden in Him, so that through that faith we can experience living with Him, being found in Him, living with Him. Because our faith must be not just in what He did to pardon us, for us, but what He did to us. Because see, what He did to us is also for us. I want you to hear that again. What he did for us to pardon us was suffering and dying. But he also crucified who we were, the old man. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. The old man was put away in him. The old man died so that 
a new creation in Christ could be who you become in Him. That second part there of the double cure is what the church doesn't know about. Whether it's a spirit-filled church or a non-spirit-filled church, if the preachers knew this, and you'll know the ones that do because this will be their message. It, not a message. This will be their message. How do I know this? Because the Holy Spirit will lead God's ministers of righteousness to open the Scriptures, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will be pointing to what He is delivering them unto always. For 2 Corinthians 4.11 the death of Jesus. Without that focus of the Lamb, my friend, we just play in church. And you can, man, you can feel, you can sense the Holy Spirit. But we've learned just because we have His presence does not mean we have His approval. And without His approval, all that's going to be there really is a rebuke and a warning so that we can get back and put our feet in the place of what he did to approve us. That can't be something in the subconscious of our mind. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith and a good conscience and keeping that faith, holding that faith with a good co-perception. A good co-perception, watch, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. What did they put away? What did they put away? They put away the real purpose of their faith. They put away the real truth of faith. They put, listen, they put away what God sees faith as. And what God sees faith as faith's object. Watch now. Let's go, as I said, 1 Timothy 1.19. Holding faith and a good conscience, a good co-perception, which is, ain't nothing good if God's not looking at it and God's not showing it to you and it's not what God is doing. It's not what God is saying. It's not good. Co-conscience means co-perception. A good conscience means you're hearing and seeing and now tasting of what God is saying. Get that now. Which some having put away the good conscience, the good co-perception, the way God sees things, and having put away this good conscience, this co-perception of God, they put that away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Watch now. Uh, and, he, and he gives an example in that day that we need to see and take heed to. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Did you see that? Now, I want to show you something. In the Expositor Study Bible, if I could bring it up here, uh, 
1 Timothy. Let me see where this is. 1 Timothy 1 and 19. So let's go here in the Expositor Study Bible and read the notes here from Brother Swaggart's Expositor Study Bible. Holding faith, meaning maintaining faith in Christ and the cross. That's, that's, that's the only place we can hold faith. It's where Jesus authored and finished our faith by enduring the cross that was set before him. I leave for the joy that is now our strength. Watch. And a good conscience speaks of following the word of the Lord exactly as it is given. That means Jesus said in the light of who he would, was and what he would do. And, and for the greater revelation, because there, weren't, there wasn't room here to put all the notes that could be put here, listen, speaks of holding God's perspective, God's perception. A good, a good conscience is a good co-perception, meaning we got to keep seeing what God's looking at, what God looks through. And you have to know that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, and everything God has done is an answer for what man needs among men. He does it as he looks to the cross, the lamb slain, and through the cross, the lamb slain. He's still saving people when they put their faith there, isn't he? It's the only object of faith, and not just for salvation, but for every move of the Spirit of grace in your life. And if it's not there, if it's not there, if that's not where your faith is, your faith can't be in Pentecost. You can have faith for God to baptize you in, in the Holy Spirit, but your faith cannot be in Pentecost. And it has caused many, many people's faith to become shipwrecked. Now, they don't think it is because they have a name that they're alive, but they're dead. Listen, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwrecked, a metaphor used by Paul pointing to those who had abandoned the cross because it's the only object of faith there is. Now watch this. This is uh, Brother Swagger's Expositor Study Bible in verse 20 now. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander presents two examples of not holding the faith. Whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. This tells us, the notes, this tells us that all who depart from the faith, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, can only be concluded as blaspheming. It's written right here. Paul said, I've turned these two over to Satan, Hymenaeus and Alexander, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, what caused him to do that? Because their faith had become shipwrecked. And they were causing others' faith to become shipwrecked. Why? How? Because they no longer had a good conscience concerning faith. A good co-perception. See how powerful this is? Do you see how powerful this is? I hope you're seeing what the Lord is attempting to show you today. There can be no such thing as a good conscience unless it's a good co-perception as we're seeing what God sees. And the Bible sees his son crucified, buried and raised up with resurrection power. 
Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. And you and I have tasted of that same death and do moment by moment so that we can see, oh, taste and see that the Lord... It's not one taste, my friend. That first taste of faith in Jesus, taste for death for you, got you in the body of Christ, got brought you into the kingdom. But my friend, don't look at the Bible as many things we have looked at as only a born-again experience scripture. Oh, no. You and I are called to taste and see that the Lord is good moment by moment. And the only place we can taste of the Lord is by faith in the sacrifice. We partake of the flesh and the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Are you seeing this today? This is so powerful to me. And we know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, and this is very encouraging too for those of us who have loved ones who have been saved, but then their faith has become shipwrecked. Watch this now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. Paul says, To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This lets us know right there. This lets us know right there that there are many who have been born again. And just because their faith has become shipwrecked now, hopefully only for a season until they hear the focus of the cross and come back and allow God to gather His people unto Him around faith in the sacrifice of the Lamb, that it's their, their flesh is going to experience destruction, but their spirit will be saved. Look, that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. I can't get it to come up anymore. There it is. To deliver such a one unto Satan, which he's talking about, he did unto Hymenaeus and Alexander, for the destruction of their flesh. It's so that they'll learn not to blaspheme. Bad things going to happen to those who move the object of their faith to anything, anything other than the sacrifice of the Lamb. And if that's where your faith is, preacher, that's what you're going to be preaching. Not mentioning, not mentioning, not using as a closeout on the message, not throwing the word cross in. That is what you're going to be preaching. The Word of God in the light of the Son of God and what He did as the Lamb of God. But watch, that the Spirit of the man whose faith has become shipwrecked and he's been turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Let's talk about Christians so that they can be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And that is hopefully, hopefully. Amen. So as we look here at the end of this chapter 3 in 1 Peter, let's look here at the last but there's so much more that we could talk about, but we are, as always, out of time. But let's close out this third chapter, and I encourage you to go dig out the wonderful treasures that are written here. There, 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 there's an endless, endless flow of treasure. All we can do is share what we're seeing by the power of the Holy Spirit at the moment. 
There's an endless flow of treasure from God's Word if we're seeing it in the one who has become our treasure and our exceeding great reward, our precious Lord Jesus Christ. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may not blaspheme. So let's get back to 1 Peter's where we need to be, the last verse there. He's talking about Jesus here, who by the resurrection of Jesus, our being raised up with him in heavenly places, seated with him at the right hand of the Father. He's talking about our Jesus now, the only one whose faith we live by, who loved us and gave himself for us, the only perspective, perception we can keep looking at that will keep our faith from being shipwrecked, watch, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And Matthew also writes Jesus' words that all power in heaven and on earth had been given unto him. There is no power, no authorities, no angels that are not subject to him. And remember that Lucifer is an angel. That means even the devil is subject to our Lord Jesus Christ. What a place to close today. All power, all authorities, and all angels are subject to my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't nothing touch me that he doesn't allow to touch me. And if he's allowing it to touch me, then I can know because he's told me that it's for my good. All things are working together for my good because the Lord has all authority over all power, authorities, and even angels. What a great session we've had today here in these great truths written and hidden, not from us, but for us to search out. And as we continue to search the wonderful treasures of God's Word, if we find their true meaning, we will find them in the person and the work of the one who is our treasure, heaven's treasure, and our exceedingly great reward. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why don't you take a moment and lift your hand if you have a need right now? Why don't you just say, Father, in the name of this treasure who is mine, Jesus Christ, I come to you and I ask your touch upon all of who I am, all of what I am, all that I have, all that I'm experiencing, Lord, that your touch would be upon me. I thank you for being the miracle working God, the healing God, the God of all provision and all instruction that I need. And Lord, help me along the way that my perception remains to be that of a co-perception of what you're seeing so that my conscience will stay a good conscience and I can continue to hold faith in a good conscience. And I give you all the praise today for your touch upon everything that pertains to me, body, soul, and spirit, ministry and family, everything about me. I thank you for the blood of the Lamb today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
and amen. God bless you. I pray your day be full of the riches and the glory of Christ as the Lamb of God. I pray that what's been said here today will have been penetrated to the deepest places in your heart by the Holy Spirit and that only you would find these truths greater applied in the days ahead by the power of the Holy Spirit of truth and grace. Hallelujah. Continue to pray for us and pray for our meetings in Naples, Florida this coming weekend. If the Lord stirs your heart to help us here at Crossway Church to do all that he's called us to do and through the, all the avenues he's called us to do them, our, the trips we take, your giving supports all of that. The Bibles we send 10 every week, expositor study Bibles into the prison system given to the Lord for the work of his hands, for where the work of righteousness is taking place, that is the work of his hands. And you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply give by texting the word give to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely Nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.